The reading is from Matthew chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Matthew chapter 3, which is on page 967. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Peter, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful day and for the opportunity and the freedom to read your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts now. Amen. So today, the second Sunday of Advent, is when, as we've heard, we spend some time considering the life and ministry of John the Baptist. Sorry, I'm just warming my hands up. <laughs> as, um, yeah, with glee, yes, us. As we look at the reading, we're going to consider a little the manner of John the Baptist, the ministry of John the Baptist, and finally, his message. So, let me begin by asking you, what do you think will be your epitaph? Okay. When people look back on your life in a hundred years from now, how do you think they'll sum you up? Just in one or two words. Let's have a go. I hope you're willing to shout out. Um, let's have a go at one or two famous people. Okay, so what do you think? Tony Blair, what will people say about him? Nice things, would be good. <laughs> what do you think people, how will people sum up Tony Blair? I told you I was sick. 
Prime Minister, yes. Uh, let's move on. David Beckham. What about Boris Johnson? Hair. Okay. Oh, to be remembered for your hair, eh? Cheryl Cole. Cheryl Cole. Mm. Accent. Accent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Somebody with a bit more gravitas, perhaps Nelson Mandela. Freedom. South Africa, freedom. Bob Geldof. Live Aid. Okay. Bill Gates? Yes, computers. Generosity. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Mother Teresa? Compassion. Servanthood. Interesting. We're not all famous, but we will all be remembered in some way. Maybe you have, or maybe you aspire to achieve something significant of which you're really proud. Maybe, like some on the list, it's your qualities as a person you feel really define you. So what kind of mark will you leave? My children tell me that they will have the phrase, where are my keys, inscribed on my tombstone. Well, I can in all honesty see why they might say that, but I do hope when I've had my four score years and ten, there'll be something else to remember. So what about you? How do you think, in a word or two, posterity will record the essence of you? Take a moment or two with somebody near you and just tell them what you think, what you'd like to be remembered for, just in a word or two. lots of smiles. You're obviously an optimistic bunch, which is good. I would love to hear at coffee time the things that you've shared. It's good to know the things that people cherish. Now, John the Baptist is commonly remembered as the forerunner, and I suspect he'd be rather pleased with that as an epitaph, because he's calling people to prepare for someone else someone much greater than he. Our reading this morning opens with John the Baptist coming out of the wilderness and challenging respectable society with outrageous statements and accusations. His manner was definitely somewhat confrontational. I don't think he's really cut out for the diplomatic service here. So what do we know about him? He's a wild man. What can we learn from him? Well, we know he was born in Judea around the year 7 BC. He had very elderly parents. Zachariah and Elizabeth, the wife, was related to Mary, the mother of Jesus. At his birth, people gossiped about him. He was clearly very unusual. The hand of God, they said, was on him. And there were prophecies that he would be great in the eyes of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. I'm not sure people who said that envisaged this strange wild man in the desert. But you know greatness in God's eyes 
is often measured by things other than wealth and power. The Gospel of Luke tells us that he grew up in the desert where he heard and answered his prophetic call. Some people think he might have been part of the Qumran community or another SN group, but we do know from Luke and Matthew that some new impetus caused him to begin a new stage of ministry, and he quickly gained widespread fame as a preacher calling for national repentance. He had his own group of followers, you might say disciples. We know also that this ministry was characterized by baptism in water. Those that followed John demonstrated their inner conversion by confessing their sins and being baptized by him in the Jordan. Indeed, in the verses that follow our reading, we see him baptizing Jesus himself. His fashion sense and lifestyle were quite unusual. Camel hair outfits and a preference for a diet of locusts and wild honey set him apart from the establishment of the time. But really, we don't know much else about him, apart from that he was radical in relation to the authorities, cruelly denouncing the religious leaders and denying their cherished belief that simply being descended from Abraham was in itself enough. He said a new beginning was necessary. Finally, we know that he was imprisoned and put to death by Herod Antipas. Josephus, a contemporary Jewish historian, regards him as a good man who, was, who called Jews to exercise virtue towards one another and piety towards God. And Josephus comments on his popularity and influence over the crowds who sought him out. He suggests Herod feared him and that's why he ultimately had him beheaded. So we've observed a challenging manner and a ministry that shook things up and alerted people to the coming of someone important. In Oriental society, a herald would always announce the coming of the king. This messenger, however, is preparing the way not for an earthly king, but for the Lord of hosts. It is not a cosy detail. He certainly was not in the job for the friends it would win him in high places. We all know that God does not promise people prosperity, whatever their spiritual state. Preparation is required. Now this would have been a very shocking thought to the Pharisees and Sadducees who prided themselves on their spiritual credentials. They were, in fact, good men. I think sometimes we always think of them as baddies, but they weren't. They were good men who lived life by a very exacting set of rules. Baptism in water was what the Gentiles were asked to do if they wanted to become a Jew. So John was equating the religious aristocracy of the time with those kind of people. And that would have been to the Pharisees and Sadducees somewhat offensive. So his manner was confrontational and somewhat strange. His ministry was challenging 
and paid no attention to social standing or religious rank. His message was uncompromising. Examine your heart, he says, whoever you are. To the proud of heart, this might have been rather off-putting. But to those in difficult circumstances, it was very attractive. Offensive, maybe, to those who were rather pleased to list their religious accomplishments. But it drew tax collectors and sinners like moths to a flame. He's saying, what matters is not how long your family have been involved with the church or how illustrious your reputation, but really the state of your heart today. For God is not asking us for half-hearted compliance, for apparent obedience when people are keeping an eye on you, but rather unconditional surrender. God longs for wholehearted followers. For while John's message was sharp with judgment, it also contained an open invitation. It's an invitation to repent, to abandon rebellion, and to come back to God in a covenant relationship of obedience. In the verses quoted from Isaiah 40, it is John's voice calling us to prepare a way for the Lord. You see, he was a man full of anticipation. He really believed that the kingdom of heaven was near, and he was passionate about being ready. In French, if you anticipate something, you say, attendre avec impatience, and that literally means to wait impatiently. Have you ever anticipated something? Perhaps it was something good that you look forward to impatiently. Perhaps it was something sad that made you sit on the edge of your seat waiting. It could be exam results, the arrival of a baby, an important letter or a package in the post, a wedding, a holiday. Can you remember how it felt not so long ago, one of my household was expecting a package in the post, a game they'd ordered. They were greatly looking forward to it, but it didn't appear when expected. Publication was delayed, you see. So they tracked any news they could find in the media. They read reports in magazines, and they discussed with their friends the prospect of its arrival and how great it would be when it came. We heard hints and rumours and started checking emails to confirm dispatch, and then they began to check the post daily. Of course, the package arrived on a day when we weren't looking for it, and there was great excitement, almost celebration. Anticipation also occurs in sport. I was talking to Domi this week about her kickboxing antics, and she was saying that in a kickboxing bout, your senses are keen and alert. You're looking out for signs of what your opponent is about to do next and making yourself ready to respond. Well, it's self-preservation, really, I suppose, but every fibre of your being is looking out for your opponent's next move. Isaiah the prophet prophesied about the coming Messiah. And John knew his words. He knew what he was looking for. 
His spiritual senses were alert and he was looking out for signs so that within the next few verses, the witness of the Holy Spirit within him caused him to baptize Jesus and hail him as the coming one. Centuries before, Isaiah prophesied a new rule for the world which he longed to see. That famous prophecy summarizes the longing of a nation for about 500 years. John the Baptist called people to make ready for the coming king, to repent and live in a way that revealed they really meant it, to produce fruit in keeping with repentance, he said. Jesus came to show us how to love, to heal us, and to begin again. Across the sweep of time from the Old Testament through the New, we see God's salvation plan for humankind. It's a message of hope that was foretold by Isaiah and the prophets, heralded by John the Baptist and brought to fruition by Jesus in his death and resurrection on the cross. For those that repent and put their trust in Jesus, the future will be better than the past. We will be cleansed and renewed. As we prepare this Advent in anticipation of our Christmas celebrations, let's not just look forward to parties, to special food and to presents, which, of course, are all great in their own way. But let's look to Jesus, our heavenly King, who came as an infant, but who will come again in glory. My family and I are quite fond of a pro program on the TV called Grand Designs, where the viewer is a fly on the wall as a family builds their own home. I don't know if you've seen it. Often they begin with an old building that's not fit for purpose, and they must start by taking away the rotten bits. The crumbly walls, the insecure beams, the weak foundations, now, it doesn't matter if the project is a grand palace with beautiful views or a tiny, humble city home. This is a key principle. Sometimes the original building looked rather picturesque at the beginning, but as the new build progresses, the old is dismantled. Foundations are strengthened and something extraordinary rises in its place. Let us not paint on a superficial face of readiness, which might fool our friends and neighbors, but will not fool our heavenly Father. Let us instead have the courage to invite Jesus to shed his light into the deepest corners of our hearts and fill us with his Holy Spirit. Let the very foundations of our lives be renewed. Have we cleared away the debris of our past to make room for kingdom revolution? The message of the gospel in Jesus' terms involves complete humility, repentance and surrender. It requires a new foundation on which God himself can rebuild our lives. John the Baptist, the forerunner, was a man with a very distinctive manner, not necessarily comfortable to be around, I imagine. He didn't seem to mind about being popular. 
He only minded about honouring God. His ministry created waves and affected the lives of all who came into contact with him. His passionate anticipation of the arrival of the one to come affected the way he lived every day. But he would say the most important thing about him was his message. It was a message calling people to get themselves ready, not on a superficial level, not to employ a bit of window dressing whilst hiding the untidy bits of life out of sight until the guests have gone. Rather, he invites us to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and to allow a deep transformation to begin. This Advent, let us prepare not only to celebrate the coming of an infant to a stable in Bethlehem, but also let's prepare for his return in glory and allow him to change our lives from the very foundations. Let's be ready. <laughs>